0: What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom slash socks.
1: On the line, uh, a guy that has been a warrior. On the subject of document disclosure, a guy who is a a terrific attorney, and it's funny, I have done over the course of the last two years on this program and really over the course of the last 11 years on the radio, I've done a lot of interviews with respect to the Kennedy assassination, and I don't think I've ever gotten the kind of response that I have in talking with Larry Schnaff. He is an attorney who had filed a federal lawsuit against President Biden and the National Archive, demanding the release of all the still-classified assassination documents. He is the first person that I reached out to when at least some of these documents were made public. Larry, I know uh, you've had a long day already, and I'm sure you have a long weekend ahead of you of reading, researching, and analyzing. I appreciate you making a few minutes for us. Thanks a lot. This is an important topic. Larry, um, based on what you can tell as of now... What exactly has uh, what exactly have the National Archives released?
0: Well, they they released um, 13,000 documents that were, as far as we can tell, had already been released, but were more redacted than they are now. Um, For example, there was a couple of articles in the press earlier this morning or earlier uh, Thursday morning about this communications about Oswald in Mexico City, and that this provided evidence that perhaps the CIA had bungled uh, knowledge of Oswald that uh, could have prevented the assassination. And the only thing that really was new um, was that um, there was a piece in that document that it indicated that the president of Mexico had approved uh, the CIA putting wiretaps on telephones in the embassies. So... (laughs)
1: So it's not nece- it's not uh, it's th- at least that document, the newly unredacted portions of it. They're not they're not incredibly revelatory. And it really makes you wonder why they were redacted in the first place. Um, well,
0: you know, this goes partially to the overall problem we have of over classification in this country with documents. Um, and, you know, the CIA just. Uh, doesn't want to let things go. And and they claim that they're trying to protect me- methods and sources. And the idea that we're still using methods and sources from 60 years ago is kind of laughable. Um, so they just don't want to release the documents. And um, what they're releasing are bits and lines of information. Um, and the, the fact of the matter is the important documents are not in the JFK collection. They were never given to the collection. They, when the Records Review Board was doing its work, um, the CIA and the FBI basically ran the clock out on them. And there, when the ARB went out of business, the ARB is the Assassinations Records Review Board. They were, that's the board that was established by uh, Congress to, to try to collect all the assassination-related records that were in the government and in private collections. Well, when they finished, they, they were term-limited But when they went out of the business, their work wasn't done. And they had a whole bunch of outstanding search requests um, for additional records. And one of the important batches that they're trying to get were the uh, George Joannidis files. George Joannidis, and I know you know this story, uh, he was the case manager for this Cuban exile group called DRE in, in New Orleans who had the confrontation with Oswald in New Orleans that mysteriously managed to be televised or taped. Um, Those records are not part of the JFK collection. And we think that those records would show that the the CIA had an operational interest in Oswald. And those are not part of the collection as other records are not part of the collection. And the National Archives since 98 never actually went followed up on those outstanding requests. So that's one reason why we filed a lawsuit. One was to get the president to comply with the law. And number two, to get these additional searches done. By the way, um, the president still did not comply with the law today. The law requires that for the president to certify that a document can be withheld, he has to identify the harm that is posed by the release of the information in the document and has to explain how the harm the gravity of that harm is so great that it outweighs the public interest. And all he did again was let the CIA you know postpone another three thousand records. Um and supposedly they're gonna go through a process, another dance in May and June um of next year, but it's the same dance that they just did this time.
1: Mm.
0: Uh the CIA actually, I think because of the lawsuit, the CIA actually today had a press conference, um, three CIA representatives spoke to four reporters, specially invited reporters. Who were they from? The New York Times, the Washington Post, and NBC. And of course, if you look at the New York Times and Washington Post articles, they are basically touting this, the, the CIA position that mm-hmm. um, there's nothing really here that we're hiding. Um, it's just methods and sources. And there's nothing to do about the assassination. So, um, yeah.
1: No, no, I was just going to ask. So what at this point is the status of your lawsuit and what's the next step with what you're doing legally in light of what's been released, what's been redacted and what's still being withheld?
0: Well, we asked for a number of reliefs. Uh, one of these is for the president to maximize the release of the documents. We want to have another, uh, we want these searches to be completed, and we want a new search of, to be to be done. Um, the government has to answer our complaint. I, I think they have until the end of the month to do so. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. Um, can't get too much into legal strategy. Um, what I really would like to see, um, I did try to get um, I had I had gotten a whole bunch of historians and researchers and lawyers and and open government types to sign a letter. I think I mentioned this to you last time um, to Carolyn Maloney, who was the chair, the outgoing chair of the Oversight Committee in the House. Uh, the Oversight Committee has the um, continuing responsibility of uh, determining if the you know how, to evaluating how the JFK Act is being implemented. Well, they haven't had any oversight hearings since 1994. So I wrote, we had, I sent this letter to her. Um, I was working with her staff in September to try to get some oversight, but I think they didn't want to have a hearing that could potentially embarrass the president before the midterm elections. Well, now we have the Republicans taking over control of Congress, and I'm hoping to try to push the new chair of the Oversight Committee um, to hold the hearing because not only to force the CIA to testify in open hearing as to why they are, you know, continuing to hold back these records, but there are some things that um, we could do with the statute. For example, there are Oswald's tax returns that have not been released. Hmm. Um, there was, at the last minute, a little Provision was inserted into the JFK Records Act. It says that it supersedes all of the New York United States laws except this particular tax law. And um, that prevents us from seeing Oswald's tax returns and tax information and W 2s or whatever he got from his employees. Um, Those should be released at this point in time. Um, There are um, records that were sealed by a court in connection with the sting operation with Carlos Marcello, where he allegedly, while he was in jail, there was this FBI informant uh, as his cellmate. He allegedly confessed to killing, uh, planning the the assassination of the president. Those tapes have not been released. They should be unsealed. Another interesting incident um, that I just learned about, about a few weeks ago from actually from Justice, from Judge Tunheim, He is currently a district court judge, uh, federal district court judge in Minnesota. He was the chair of the um, uh, ARB, and he told me that um, they tried to get Walter Sheridan's records. Now, Walter Sheridan was the right-hand man of Robert Kennedy. Those records were in the JFK Library. When they asked him for these records, he drove up to the JFK Library Grabbed the records, then drove down to New York City and handed them to NBC. He had apparently had done some work for NBC during the Jim Garrison trial. Mm. That was the, which was the you know the subject of the JFK movie. Well, NBC refused to turn them over, and to this day they still haven't turned them over. So NBC is as as, as complicit as the government is huh. in hiding the truth from the American people. Wow. So we want that to be exposed.
1: Wow. As well, um, you alluded to and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Larry Schnapp. He's uh, done some great work on this. Uh, he has filed a federal lawsuit to compel uh, the release of a lot of these uh, documents. You alluded to this trip to Mexico City. And uh, a lot of these documents do apparently deal with that Mexico City trip uh, just a few weeks before the assassination. Why is that significant or why is that possibly significant. For people that are interested in this stuff, why should we care or be interested in the Oswald trip to Mexico?
0: Well, Oswald um allegedly went to Mexico um to get a visa to go into Cuba. Um in the process of doing that, he went to the Russian embassy, embassy and reportedly spoke to a person that was uh in the KGB that was also the head of the unit that does um assassinations and uh so there was one theory that you know that the russians were behind it um and this was another way of showing that he was uh in you know uh, a pro castro supporter now there were some tapes that allegedly oswald's voice was caught on um and the part of this whole process, this this record I was telling you about, is they, they – apparently the um, they – Hoover told LBJ and the then CIA director McCoy that the voice on the tapes were not – was not those of Oswald, um, that somebody was impersonating him, that um, the person that was speaking on the telephone had spoke very poor Russian, which, you know, Oswald – did not speak poor Russian. So, you know, was there an imposter there? Um, was the CIA following him? You know, Do they have an interest in him? So these are the kind of questions that come up. Now, what we learned recently um, is that the ARB had learned that as a quid pro quo for the president of Mexico to sign off on letting us do this wiretapping was that the Mexican government, their equivalent of the FBI, would get tapes copies of all the tapes that were recorded. Now, our CIA told the Warren commission that they routinely destroyed their tapes after two weeks, but the ARB thought that there was a really good chance that the Mexican government still had these tapes. And so we could actually hear, is this really Oswald's voice or not? Or is he being impersonated? Well, um, judge Tunheim told us that when he tried to get those tapes, the State Department um, basically interfered, just like Just Tunheim, um, as chair of the ARB, uh, lined up an interview with Castro. He was going to talk to Castro about what Castro knew, and at the last minute, apparently Jesse Helms, who was the chair of some Senate committee that had something to do with government operations, basically asked that and said, "There's no way any American representative is going to talk to to Castro." So these are just some examples, you know, of how our own government has been interfering with this investigation. Wow. I mean, it goes back, you know, the Warren Commission, we learned um, Bella Absock had – this is a, a long-lost hearing to rec, to history. In 1975, Bella Abzug had a hearing where their committee – her committee concluded that the Warren Commission never had the authority to classify its records, that um, – the, the general counsel just went ahead and classified them with no authority, and that was basically to protect um, the executive sessions where they were talking about, you know, is when they got the rumor that Oswald might have been, a, uh, you know, a, a, some sort of informant for the FBI. Um, so this is just, you know, this, this is why we need um, – I would like to have an oversight hearing because all this stuff has to come out. The American people need to see how their own government is preventing – the citizens from hearing the true story.
1: You alluded to the uh, situation involving George Joannides. Uh He actually served as the CIA's liaison to the congressional committee that reinvestigated the Kennedy assassination in the 1970s, after the Warren Commission. A lot of people, even in the late 60s, early 70s, were not satisfied with the Warren Commission's conclusion. And because of that, Congress did its own investigation, and George Joannides was the person that the CIA was the liaison, essentially. After that, a lot of the House staff said they were outraged to learn afterwards that Joannides had a very big conflict of interest because he actually led the spying operations during the Kennedy administration in Cuba. Now, how could the CIA not have disclosed that to Congress? I mean, you talk about a government within a government. That's what that seems to look like.
0: So this is one of the documents that got a little more released today that was already known. And not only um, was the The staff frustrated. Joe needy got an outstanding uh, award from the CIA for his performance. And when you look at the document, it says how he was able to manage the young staffers uh, of the House Select Assassinations Committee. They actually asked him, do you know who this case manager was for the DRE? Remember, he's the guy that was the case manager. And he said to them, I'll, I'll look into it. <laughs> so, I mean, he he lied. He, he he They selected him because they took him out of retirement to be the liaison. And he was the guy that was basically preventing them from finding where the bodies are buried.
1: One of the other things – oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask. One of the other things that people were sort of champing at the bit to get more information about – Was Oswald's personality file from the military? I know portions of it were made public years ago, but a lot of it has been uh, kept secret. Do we have any idea why portions of this personality file were kept secret? And do we know if part of this document release included any more information on that?
0: Um, His personality file is about fifty thousand pages. Fifty thousand pages. yeah, a, wow. a great amount of it was released. I think a few more documents were released today, but you know, again, when they say they're releasing, they're redacting information in a document. So, there could be a line of text that was redacted and they unredact it, but the rest of the document re- remains redacted. So, they're saying we're releasing this document, they're releasing some information. So, we're we're trying to actually figure out exactly how many pages were released. And is there any anything significant in there? Here's another example. I, I don't know if I mentioned this last time. So when the Warren Commission is trying to understand what did the CIA know about Oswald when he was in Russia, um, they had Richard Helms, who was then the assistant director, um, and McCone, who was the director, uh, testifying. And guess who was taking their testimony? Richard uh, – Alan Dulles. Alan Dulles was asking them questions about events that happened during his watch when he was running the CIA and he was giving them leading questions. For example, he would say, um, what what did um, what did you know about Oswald? And and Helms would say, well, minimal. And he would say, well, and whatever you knew, the State Department would have had the responsibility to tell you. Right. And and so, like, he was giving them leading questions. Never, only in, like, Seinfeld Bazaar world, (laughs) would Mm -hmm. you have the CIA director, former director, deposing someone about facts that occurred on his watch, the questioner's Mm -hmm. watch. But this is how Dulles' role was to control the information. The very first day that the Warren Commission got together, you probably, I think you know this, Dulles came into the executive session with the book and the book was about how the history of assassination in America and the book concluded that assassinations in America are always done by, by lone gunmen. <laughs> so it was already like planting the seed that, you know what, this is where we're going.
1: It, it, that's uh, wild talking with Larry Schnopf. Larry, uh, the, a lot of analysts quoted in the media in the last uh, 24 hours have said that these documents, what was been, what's been released, redacted as they might be, that there are no smoking guns here and there's nothing that's going to move the needle significantly in terms of uh, a new credible theory that the public will accept about what happened. Uh, based on what you've seen thus far and heard and read, is that something that you agree with?
0: Well, first of all, the public believes – the majority of public still believes that the the president was killed by a plot um, that involved more than one person. Um, I do, the, the people that would have been involved in that plot, they could have ranged from the mafia or maybe rogue elements of the CIA. Those people don't put things in writing. So I don't expect to see – a smoking gun saying here's how we are going to kill the president. We probably we probably could learn more about Oswald's associations, um, who he was, was, was somebody running him, uh, you know. And when you say an operational interest, that could range from surveilling somebody, or actually having them as as an asset and running them. And you know, it's very curious that. Oswald, if you look at Oswald's friends, many of his friends were conservative. Um, even though you know, he was a communist. Even though he was allegedly a communist. And, you know, it looks like he was a spy wannabe. Um, you know, his favorite show when he was growing up was I Led Three Lives or something like that. And, um, you know, he you can go into a whole thing about Oswald. But, but you know, he goes – in fact, one of the records today that was released – um, they're talking more they're a little more detail about. It. We knew these facts, but some of the other elements were not in there. About, you know, how did Oswald get into Russia? Mm. Um, he 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 has limited amount of money, and he stays at these high end hotels in Helsinki. He flies to Helsinki. Um, he gets a visa in two days, and the and the Warren Commission was struggling because they were getting information from the State Department that it's impossible to get a visa in two days. How do you get a visa in two days to get into Russia? It had to be something, you know, special. And so, you know, the thinking is that maybe Oswald was was part of this fake defector program to see what would happen um, when someone, you know, defects to Russia. By the way, we know, Judge Tunheim told us, that there are five feet of KGB files sitting in Minsk, that they represent the KGB apparently monitored Oswald every day. Wow. They had people at his workplace. And um, Minsk is in Belarus. And, um, you know, those are records that right now, presumably, I guess, it's going to be hard to get because the the leader of Belarus is, you know, is tight with Putin. But if that government falls, there's a five-foot stack of records that could tell us a lot more about Oswald in Russia.
1: Interesting. Um, yeah. uh, I know you're uh, you scheduled a press conference today. What are you planning to give, give us a preview of what we can look forward to hearing from you at this press conference?
0: Well, I, the the Mary Farrell uh, people have a rapid response team. So they're, you know, they're they're the experts in the documents. Um, and um, so they're, you know, spending the night kind of drilling down. You know, we, we basically triage documents the obviously the first tranche uh, tr- um, was are any of the Joe and Edie's documents released and they weren't so or maybe one was but uh so that's one problem and then now they're now they're they're trans what we have to do in the way that you know it's so frustrating because they don't show you like a red line so you have to like um and what happens there are some documents now this is interesting some documents released today were never indicated to be in the JFK collection. So there are a bunch of documents from the NSA. If you look at, uh, when you go to the National Archives JFK collection website, they have a six-part spreadsheet that represents all the documents in the collection, right? So, and they have record numbers attached to them, identifier numbers. So today about, I think it was 26 documents, some, a bunch of NSA documents were released, but they never were in the collection before. So how could you release something that wasn't in the collection? Mm. <laughs> it just shows you that, that I have a when I did my foyer my FOIA, uh lawsuit and uh, last year and we set the government settled and started producing records. There, I have emails from the archivists saying the, the spreadsheets are driving us batty. They just don't know what's there. They don't know how many pages they have. Um, you know, they have an estimate of how many documents, but. Today, we were getting different, num- different numbers as to how many documents are actually in the collection. So it, it's just um, – this is not a very transparent process.
1: Oh, clearly. Um, uh, and, uh, Larry, you've been very generous with your time, and uh, I'm going to let you get a little bit of sleep. Two final questions I have to ask you. Yeah. One, as you, as as it stands now – How many documents do you believe the government is withholding that is not in compliance with this 1992 law? How many documents do you believe there are that should be released if the government was complying with the law?
0: Well, um, we know they're holding back 3,000, but I think a lot of the documents released today are still redacted. Um, so they, they're not released in whole and we don't know how many, we you know, we're still trying to figure out how many documents released, but any document, um, I would, I would venture to say that, um, any document that has redactions in it, and we don't know how many that is right now, um, we're not released in compliance with the law because every redaction, there has to be a justification on the document by document basis. And that was not done.
1: Finally. Uh, I, this is probably an impossible question to answer because I realize so much of your mission involves trying to get information that is being withheld. But there have been so many theories about who was responsible for the broader conspiracy to kill the president. Some people have said it's the mob, including Carlos Marcello. Other people, and I know Tucker Carlson ran with this on Fox News yesterday, have indicated it was the CIA. Other folks said that it was Cuba. Other folks said it was the Soviet Union. Some folks said that it was some combination. Uh, some folks have said it was Woody Harrelson's father or Ted Cruz's father. Ba- based on your belief, what do you think is the most likely scenario of who was responsible? Well,
0: with the understanding that it sometimes is difficult to figure out where the exile slash rogue CIA slash mafia ends and begins, I believe the real story, and I believe the story that explains why the Kennedy family is still not releasing their own records um, is that the mafia Carlos Marcelo, was behind the assassination. And here's my thesis. Um, the old man, Joe Kennedy, we now know from John Davis, who wrote several books on Carlos Marcelo, that the old man had two contracts out on him that were because he had violated some of the mafia rules when he was running booze during mm-hmm. Prohibition and later on. And he went to Sam Giacana in Chicago to beg to have the contract released. And as part of that deal, he said, my boy's going to run for president. He'll have a friend in the White House. So um, obviously, they did not have a friend in the White right, House. Clearly. Right. And and um, it looks like, you know, and what's the one of the first things Bobby did April 4th, 1961, even before the Bay of Pigs, he deports Carlos Marcelo to Guatemala mm-hmm. City, mm-hmm. right? And he has to walk back through the jungle to get himself back to the U.S., <laughs> right? And then, you know, obviously they continue pursuing him. We we now know that the mafia was bugging um, Peter Lawford's beach house and Marilyn Monroe's home. And I think what they were trying to do in 1962 was to sort of like uh, get something to compromise the Kennedy boys, mm-hmm. And when Marilyn Monroe died, um, they had tapes of they could hear, you know, the usual noises when people make have sex. Um, but Bobby Kennedy had the FBI grab all of the phone records um, from the LA. I think it was General Telephone.
1: La- la- on that so think, note, Larry, I got to run. Uh, way late okay. here. I appreciate the the time and uh, thanks for the great work you're doing on this.
0: Okay, thank you very much.